The church throughout the ages have been declaring God's glory, right? We recite the creeds, we sing hymns, we sing songs, we sing choruses. And this is why one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have compassion on all that you have made. Lord, we thank you that you have compassion on us this morning and that you are active and present to meet us, each one of us. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, exalt the Father, glorify yourself in this place and in our hearts, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Father, we do, we do worship your name in this place, and we long for the whole earth. We long for everyone to know the glory of your name. We want the world to know who you are. We want the world to know how deep is your love. We want the world to know that you're a God who removes shame and guilt, that you're a God who makes hearts and lives new. You're a God who restores. You're a God who puts back together broken relationships a God who restores marriages and families, a God who heals hearts and bodies. God, we want the world to know who You are. We want You to bring glory to Your name all across the earth. And God, again, we're reminded that You do that through us. That You do that as we say yes to your call on our lives as we lay down our lives and say, God, use me, use my life, glorify your name in and through my life. And so, Lord, we offer our hearts and our lives afresh to you this morning. And we pray, nurture and strengthen and encourage us each for bringing glory to you wherever you send us and put us and call us. Lord, do that now as we pray. Do that as Pastor Gina brings your word to us. Prepare us to glorify your name, Jesus. Amen. Last week, family, the Lord Jesus spoke some difficult words to us from Luke 9. He said, anybody who wants to be my follower... Anyone who wants to be a Christian must lay down their lives, must deny themselves, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me daily. And the Lord offered us in worship a chance to respond to him for those who were ready to count the cost and to say, Jesus, you may do anything you'd like with the rest of my life. There was an opportunity to stand, but that wasn't the only opportunity. The Lord continues to call us to be willing to follow him wherever he takes and sends and calls us. 
There was also a number of questions that came out of that sermon. People saying, I need to ask more about what that means and what that looks like and how I respond to the Lord and how I dialogue with the Lord about his call on my life and how I understand what it means to deny myself. So to start that conversation, Pastor Gina and I are going to carve out 20 minutes after the service in this adult Sunday school area and just make ourselves available for conversation. Anyone who'd like to come and talk, there's no agenda except to carry on the conversation. Questions and um, coming back to that text and what does it mean. Now, I'd like us to pray about that text because John Showalter forwarded an email to us this week that came from Franklin Graham, that's Billy Graham's son, asking the church in America and the church around the world, would you pray together? September 26th is yesterday. We're going to pray with them today. Would you pray? This is Pastor Saeed. He's an American citizen who's been in prison in Iran for three years, separate from his wife and his children. And his wife is saying, would you please pray with me for the release of my husband? So here we have a brother in Christ, an American citizen, who's suffering for the gospel, just like Jesus told us last week that we might and we need to be ready to do. And as I read a little bit about his story this past week, um, a, a beautiful piece of it that moved me to tears was a letter that he wrote to his daughter on her birthday, in which he shared how desperately he missed her, and yet... Daddy's in the, in, the, in the hands of Jesus and having opportunity to share the gospel in prison and people are coming to Jesus where I am. And so do not mourn for me. The Lord has us. The Lord holds our lives and just a deep, deep trust in the Lord no matter the circumstances. So we're going to pray for Pastor Saeed. We're going to pray for his wife. You can just see in the background his wife and children. They're a little bit faded. We're going to pray for the Lord to strengthen each of their hearts, to hold them. We're going to pray for God's will to be done. We're going to pray for release, and we're going to pray for continued fruit wherever he is. I remember Paul saying, hey, when I'm in in prison, I'm getting an opportunity to share the gospel there. People are coming to faith in Jesus. So we're going to pray whatever happens, that more people come to Jesus. We'll have an opportunity to share our regular prayers. So I'll lead us into prayer for Pastor Saeed, and just ask that you hold your other prayers For a bit, and then I'll transition us out of that toward uh, the time where we just lift up all of our praise, our thanks, and our petitions. And if you're a guest among us, we welcome you to use your voice and to pray out loud in your own words. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the promise of Scripture where you say, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And so we thank you that you're in Pastor Saeed, you're in his wife and his children, and we pray that from within, you strengthen them with power from your spirit to trust, to persevere, to keep going. Lord, you've heard many requests this morning for your care um, in our fragility We've requested your, your presence in physical suffering. We've requested your, your care with emotional burdens. 
uh, with spiritual struggles. And as many as were named, there are many more in our hearts and in our lives that you're aware of that we haven't brought forth. And we ask you, Lord, to be and to make yourself present to each one because we know that your presence in our struggles doesn't remove them, but changes them, changes our ability to um, go through them. Lord, your presence, your love, your power, your truth strengthens us, encourages us, changes us from the inside out. And so, Lord, we pray for your presence, strong sense of your presence in our own hearts, in our own lives, day-to-day awareness and through us, to our family members. We thank you that even when we're not aware, that you are always present, always caring, always loving. We love you, Lord. Amen. As we um, give our offerings to the Lord now, we're going to, instead of singing a song of preparation, we're going to watch a song being sung and reflect or meditate on that song as it's being played on the on the PowerPoint here. There's not lyrics um, printed, so if you know it, you're welcome to sing, or if you're picking it up as it goes along, you're welcome to join in. But we're reflecting as we prepare for Pastor Gina to bring God's word this morning. As I look at those pictures, my home wasn't as muddy as some of those pictures but my heart and my life was. And I'm so grateful that somebody came and told me the good news. How about you? Amen. A week ago, we heard um, Jesus speak these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We heard him speak that a week ago. And I imagine as he was thinking and reflecting in the week after he spoke that, that he was thinking with forethought about who he was calling to follow him and what their stories and their lives were going to contain. And so for the pastor that we've prayed about, he would think about those disciples where persecution and hardship was going to happen in their lives. Jesus, who's compassionate towards all, was thinking about those stories. He was also thinking about the disciples that he had just sent out, the 12 that he had just sent out, and the way they came back full of joy because the Lord had um, helped them to proclaim the good news, and there were people that were healed and saved, and they just had to go out. And after last Sunday, the Lord gave Vic an assignment. And Vic's given me permission to share just a little bit of his story, but you really want to talk to him to get the details. But he just had this sense that he just had to go. One of his neighbors stopped by and told him about a man in the hospital up the hill at Spectrum. And he he's having kidney failure. And so Monday morning, Vic texts his pastors and says, I need to talk. I just got to go i got to go pray for this guy, and I've never met him before. And so, as pastors, 
even as Jesus, we're anticipating what might Vic encounter when he goes and what will the response be. But yet, he must go, and we must send him, and so we pray for him, and we pray as he goes. And he goes to the hospital, and he goes in this room and introduces himself and says, so-and-so told me that you were here, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to come and pray for you. This man knew the Lord, but what an encouragement it was for him to have Vic come and pray and for the family. And then the Lord not only blesses that time of prayer, but then he encounters student nurses that are up on the floor that actually come here, and Vic had taught him how to cook last year. And so they get to pray together. And then Vic's so full of the Holy Spirit because he's so excited about what all the Lord's done. And then he goes out to an area of the um, grounds where, yes, he was partaking in a cigarette and um, has a chance to encourage somebody else that has a child up in the preemie nursery and gets to pray for her too. The Lord would anticipate that there would be these these storylines that would include Hardship and persecution and great joy and people being encouraged and people coming to Christ. He was thinking about those things as he went up the mountain. I also imagine that he was thinking about his own life, too, because he was getting he had just predicted his death and he's anticipating his death. And he's thinking about that. And so he goes up the mountain In the Bible, the up the mountain is a place of encounter with the Lord. You remember Moses encountered the Lord up on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. It's a place of an encounter. The ancient Near East culture kind of figured that up the mountain was where the gods lived. And certainly God is who met Moses and who met Jesus as he went up the mountain to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer, and Luke keeps pointing that out over and over again, highlighting the fact that Jesus was a man of prayer. The Catechism tells us that God pours out his grace to those who pray, and Jesus modeled this receiving of the Father's grace as he would go up the mountain to pray. And so our text this morning is from Luke chapter 9. Verses 28 to 36, and I'd like to read that for you. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 28. Pardon me? Page 1612, if you're using the Bibles in your chairs. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. I keep reminding you, and Pastor Dave does too, as we preach through this Gospel of Luke, that Christianity has long held that Jesus had two natures, fully divine and fully human. And I think that in our modern contemporary culture, somehow we've kind of lost track of that fully human. And so you might hear me come down a little hard and emphasize that a little bit more. And it's absolutely not to take any glory from the Lord at all. But I believe as we understand and think about and reflect on the humanity of Jesus, it causes us to be in awe of him that much more. Because he had every temptation, just as we have had, and yet he was without sin. And so I want to talk about what it might have felt like for Jesus to have prophesied his upcoming death and then be facing that as fully human. How do we face it if we get a prognosis that doesn't sound good? It creates anxiety. It creates Thoughts about what might happen and how will it feel and what would it be like. And so Jesus is going up on the mountain to pray about leading this mission. I believe he's trying to wrap his human head around his divine mission. And who does he go to talk to? Who might he go to talk to about this? Certainly nobody at the synagogue has ever had to live this mission out before. Certainly he can't go back home and talk to Mary and Joseph, because certainly they haven't either had to live this and walk this out. And so he goes to his heavenly father. He goes up the mountain to pray. I believe he's also not only praying about his own situation and what he's facing, but he's praying about his succession plan. He's praying about those disciples that he's training up and bringing along with him. Because as it was mentioned last week, this isn't like the... um, you know, kind of news that gets you lots of followers. You know, if the, the prosperity gospel, like everything's going to be blessed and you're going to have lots of money and this and that, uh, uh, you're going to lay down your life and you might actually have to die to follow me. And this is the gospel. This is the call that Jesus gave his disciples. And I wonder whether the devil started to make him anxious. Like, do you think those disciples are really going to stay with you? I wonder if maybe he was tempted to um, feel accused, even. Like, how, how could somebody that really loves their disciples call them to, to go into a dangerous and risky mission with you? Is that very loving, Jesus? Is that very loving, Jesus? I can almost imagine him being harassed with that kind of thought. And he'd have to take those thoughts captive. And how does he do that? He goes up to pray. Because don't you know that when we come into the presence of God, that he starts to set things right. 
Now remember, he's bringing his disciples with him. He brings three of them, the close inner circle. And he had um, prophesied that some of them would see the kingdom of God before they died. And so this glorious thing, the manifestation of the kingdom of God, starts on this mountain. And as this picture, I think, kind of speaks a thousand words, what are his disciples doing? You know, can't you just see it? This amazing thing is happening for Jesus. And he looks over and maybe Peter's like got drool hanging down. And maybe John's leaning back against the other one, sleeping, sawing the logs. And the other one's maybe just kind of got his eyes at half-mast and glazed over. Are they going to miss? They, this was prophesied for them. Are they going to miss this? Are they going to miss this moment? And these are the people that Jesus is bringing along. And don't you know how that must have felt for him? Don't you know that in the presence of the Lord, there's this glory glow. talks about this splendid, like white lightning, like he became like white lightning. Moses came down with his face so glorious he had to veil it. John Piper says the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of his manifold or many, many perfections. So everything that is good and holy about God, that's his glory. The weight of his perfections start to fall on Jesus, and he starts to glow. He starts to look bright white like lightning. The presence of God, the perfections of God, it's encouraging when you're reminded and when you encounter the perfections, the holiness, the goodness, the greatness of the Father. Encouragement, I found this quote this week. Encouragement is not flattery or empty praise. It's like verbal sunshine. It warms other people's hearts and inspires them with hope and confidence in their faith. I believe Jesus, human Jesus, needed encouragement in his faith. And I believe his heavenly father starts to encourage him by his presence. In the Father's presence, he starts to be encouraged. These words, this is my son whom I have chosen. Is there anything more encouraging in all the world than to be affirmed by your Heavenly Father? This is my son. Jesus is reminded of his identity. He's reminded that he's chosen, that he's loved. Each one of us, as we remember And as we grow in an understanding of how much we're loved, it changes everything. It changes our outlook on life. It changes everything. And I believe that as Jesus heard these words by his Father, that he was encouraged, that he was strengthened. I believe that the Father sent Moses and Elijah to bring encouragement. There were these two visitors sent to bring encouragement. This is very unique. This is the only place in the New Testament that we see the Old Testament, some of the heroes of the faith, showing up. And it's on this mount, they call it the Mount of Transfiguration, this place where the glory of the Lord fell on Jesus. Moses and Elijah, why? Some of you are very, very familiar with these stories. Maybe some of you have never heard about Moses and Elijah. But they were two Old Testament Prophets, Moses was a teacher, 
I believe that both of them had faced very, very difficult calls in their lives. And so Moses had brought God's people out of Egypt. That was a hard call to bring him out of slavery, bring him through the wilderness. Elijah, he had um, called God's people back to himself. He had faced many false prophets. He had run for his life many times. And so they had lessons of God's faithfulness that I believe they recounted to him. The pictures... um, of Moses and Elijah and Jesus being together would rule out the rumors because in some of our previous passages, remember, they, people were saying, like, who, they were trying to figure out, who is this Jesus? Oh, well, maybe that's Elijah. Maybe that's Elijah that's come back, remember? And so, oh, that can't be if there's all three of them there at the same time. Others say this is because Moses represents those who have died in Christ. They're going to be raised in Christ. And Elijah represents because he was translated straight up to heaven without death. And so these are going to be the ones when Jesus comes back at the end of time that are living and will all together be with Jesus. So some say this is why there's this picture going on. Well, Dane asked a really great question, and I thought it was great. I was thinking about that um, a lot after he asked it. How did these guys know that that was Moses and Elijah? They had lived hundreds and hundreds of years before. They could not Snapchat, like take a little quick video, post it online and say, who are these guys? Anybody recognize them? You know, they couldn't Google it to see a picture or something. You know, that's the way we sometimes get our information these days. But no, but they were listening. And only this gospel, Luke, points this out, that the two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem, his departure, his exodus. They came to talk about the exodus. And as these disciples would listen, I think that's how they started to understand that this is, who, this is Moses here. This is Elijah here. Because they're talking about things that they've lived through themselves. The Exodus. Jesus' mission include suffering many things. Facing rejection and death. And awaiting the resurrection for three days. This was a hard mission that he was facing. And so I believe that these heroes of the Old Testament were very likely giving him some personal lessons some reminders of God's faithfulness. What might they have talked to him about? And I believe that this is speculative, and yet based on the scripture that I read about one generation commending God's works to the next, that I think it's very likely that this is what they were talking about and conferring about. I believe Moses might have told him, hey, don't sin. No matter how rough and how frustrated you get in these next few weeks and months, Do exactly what the Father says, and don't take out your frustrations. Don't sin. Because remember, Moses' sin cost him being able to go into the promised land. I believe that Elijah probably said to Jesus, persevere. Don't let their death threats scare you. Remember, Elijah had death threats. um, He was threatened that his head would come off, that he would be killed. And he had to face those prophets up on that mountain, remember, and he called down the fire of God and all those false prophets. I mean, there was this big clash of kingdoms right there. 
And I believe Elijah was stirring up Jesus' faith to persevere for whatever he was going to face as he went in towards Jerusalem. I believe also that they were talking about trusting God to take you through. And as I mentioned, Moses would have been talking about how that the enemy was coming down and bearing down on him, and all of a sudden the waters parted and God made a way. And I believe that Elijah would have been talking about how that when the time came that the Father just scooped him right up and took him through and took him to glory. I believe these are personal lessons that these Old Testament people would have likely been giving Jesus. I believe they probably were also encouraging him and mentoring him in leadership. Elijah likely would be saying, don't get frustrated. It's worth the work to put into training up these disciples because they're going to be the ones that carry on the work when you're gone. Because certainly Elisha was mentored and trained up by Elijah. Mentored and trained up, and so it's worth the work to mentor those that maybe ask lots of questions, and um, just some of the things they do can get you pretty frustrated. Moses, I think he probably said, don't let anybody that's following you sway you off course. Because remember, when things got difficult in the wilderness, the Israelites were saying, let's just go back to Egypt. It's getting hard out here. It's hot out here. We're thirsty. We don't have food. And so instead of just immediately trusting their Heavenly Father to provide, they were wanting to have Moses go back to Egypt. And he had to hold the course and say, no, we're going through. And watch, I'm going to pray and the Father's going to provide. And I believe Moses would tell Jesus that same thing. Just watch. Watch your Father continue to provide and make a way. Don't let those disciples and don't let those others steer you away from the mission. Moses, I believe, would say, keep modeling prayer. Keep modeling prayer because he had gone to the tent of meeting and Joshua had watched him. Do you remember that? And then Joshua was able to carry on with courage to be strong and courageous because he learned to pray because he watched Moses pray. And I believe Moses was saying, the disciples, even though they're sleeping right now, they're going to wake up, they're going to see this, and they're going to remember that when you're gone, they'll pray. And remember, the disciples did that. They went up to the upper room and they prayed. And I believe that he would have said, don't get discouraged, even when they say things and you think they're not paying a bit of attention and the things they come up with just challenge you and rock your world. Just trust that in the end, that God's going to do an amazing thing with these that you're mentoring. And the rest of this chapter, as we're going to look at in coming weeks, we're going to see that the disciples didn't respond appropriately right away to the different things. But they're learning, and Jesus is investing in them. Don't you know that a loving parent, a loving father, encourages? Some of us never had this, and so this is really good news. This is really good news that a loving father is going to encourage. And I believe that our Heavenly Father was encouraging Jesus, his son, his chosen son, up on that top of that mountain that day for the fulfillment of his mission. Our loving father is encouraging us and teaching us some things today. If Jesus needed guidance and encouragement, we do too. 
And so sometimes the going gets rough, and sometimes it's tough. And to carry out our mission in life, it's challenging. Don't, get, don't feel like, oh, this only happened to me. Jesus needed encouragement. Jesus needed guidance. And so we do too. And that's okay. But we need to know what to do about it. Recognize that Jesus went to the Father and all this encouragement came as they talked about the Exodus, as they talked about his departure. The glory of God, all of his ways started becoming even more and more like clear, I believe. Jesus' mind being prepared. And so as we go to our Father, things are going to become more clear. Even if we don't understand, we have a sense of this calling of God on our lives but we don't know how it's going to look in the days and weeks to come. I believe as we go up the mountain, he's going to fill us up, and then he'll send us out, just like we heard the words of the song. He'll fill us up, and he'll send us out, empowered and ready by the Holy Spirit to face whatever comes. The father said, this is my son, listen to him. That's really, really encouraging, because what that means is that we can hear. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And so, isn't it encouraging to know that the Lord, even when things are not quite clear, that he's going to show the way. And as I'm looking at Jan and thinking about what she's facing with changes in needing to make a change in the living situation, and how is this retirement? I look at some of you and health issues and um, relationship issues, and you think, how is this all going to work out? I don't know how this is going to work out. Well, as we go to the Father, he's going to give us direction, and Jesus is going to tell us, and he's going to remind us of God's goodness, his promises, his faithfulness. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so there is encouragement. He sends encouragement. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, even though we don't have the heavens parted and we can't see Elijah and Moses right here. But Hebrews tells us we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And this story of the transfiguration just reminds us of that. And I believe the Lord will just remind us of those stories in the Bible, even Vic, like just how the Lord reminds you of that scripture to pray in family prayer time. He reminds us, you know, No matter whether you turn to the left or the right, you'll hear a voice behind it saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And he's going to encourage us. He's going to train us. And I believe the Father is saying, you be a people of prayer just like my son was a person of prayer. And model that for your kids. Model that for your grandkids. Model that for your neighbors. Model that for everyone. It's easy to listen to Jesus who's going to speak to us when we think about what he did for us. We've sung about it, we've prayed about it, and we remember today that Jesus, what was this departure that he was coming down the mountain to do in a few days, in a few weeks, in a few months? He was coming down to go and lay down his life up on the cross as a payment for our sins. He did that for us. He was looking after each one of us and thinking they need to be reunited with the Father. And sin is what's gotten in the way. And there's no way that they can ever come into the holiness and the perfection of the Father unless their sins are covered. And Jesus laid down his life for each of us. 
And as he does that, it makes it really easy to want to listen to somebody that's that loving towards us. We want to follow him because he is good. And because he wasn't good just for us, but actually there's all the whole world, right, that needs to know this hope of Jesus Christ. And so it's gratitude that motivates us to pick up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow him. As a church, we have this vision that we exist to see the love of God change our hearts, to change our neighborhood, and to change the world. That's the vision the Lord's given us. He changes our hearts with his love, and then we long and pray for him to change the neighborhood and the world with his love. We have these senses of individual calls, and I've heard some of you talk to me this week and some of you talk in recent months to Pastor Dave and myself about this sense of calling. Some of you have a sense of calling to um, receive more healing so that as you're healed, that you can offer that same hope and healing to others. Some of you are just having this um, hunger for the word of God. You're just feeling this call to study deeply, to uh, Anna Marie's memorizing scripture. I think there's a bulletin announcement about that. If you want to join her in that, Vic's saying, I've got to study the word. I just have to spend time in the word. Others of you are saying, we just have to go out and pray around this neighborhood. We just feel called. We're feeling called to do this. Some of you are saying, I need to represent God to my children. I need to comfort them with the comfort that I've received from God. Some of you are saying, I really need to represent God in the military. I need to study for ministry. I don't even know exactly how God's calling me and the end result, right? Some of us are in seminary here today. And the Lord's calling us, and you're preparing yourself, and you don't even know exactly where that call's going, but you know that he's calling you somewhere. Those are individual calls. He also has a corporate call on us. He calls us as a group. He calls us as a congregation. And part of that corporate call, as I mentioned, was to share the love of God out in our neighborhood. And so I'm going to invite Dane to come up. Um, Mark is downstairs, and Luke couldn't be with us this morning. And so Dane was one of three that was out on an assignment this Thursday night, this prayer, um, prayer in motion class that Andrew is doing an excellent job teaching, along with Jay Noblock. And this past, I think it should be on, this past week, they were given an assignment to go out in prayer and to prayer walk this neighborhood and so so my name is Dane Jean and I are married and uh, 30 years this month yeah so thank you so um, we're going through a um, prayer walk and evangelism and next week Thursday is the last the last uh, lesson and so Andrew wanted us to go out and prayer walk. And the previous weeks we've been going out and we've been more praying for people as we see people and, and walking up to people and sharing the gospel and sharing about what Gold Avenue is doing in the community. But this week Andrew wanted, to, wanted us to just go out and prayer walk. And so we're praying for buildings. We're praying for families that are in houses. We're praying for what we see, what God brings to our minds as we're walking through the neighborhoods. And so we're 
taking a big walk around the block, and we come up to Strait and Vito, and we're praying at the corner there, and then these little kids ride up on bicycles. And uh, I remember that because I would race around on my bicycle when I was that age, too. And so they come right up to us, and they say, what are you guys doing? And, you know, we said, well, our Mark responded. He goes, well, we're prayer walking. Prayer walking? What's prayer walking? And so Mark kind of responds, and he says, well, um, we're praying for the neighborhood. We're praying for families. We're praying for businesses and buildings and stuff like that. And uh, Mark goes, do you know who God is? And, yeah, he kind of shrugs his shoulders and acknowledges that he knows who God is. And, and so they race off. And then uh, they just come back again and bring another little fellow with them. And uh, so they're asking us a bunch of questions. And it's like, oh, this is cool, you know. Uh, it wasn't what our mission was for that particular prayer walk, but we just felt like God was um, leading us to just start talking to these little guys. And so then Mark responded saying, hey, we're going to have a festival at our church, October 10. Oh, well, what's that about? Well, we're going to have food and games and activities and stuff like that. You know, and these little guys were all excited. And, and so, well, you know, can my, can my mom and dad come and stuff like that? And so they race off again on their bicycles and now go into their houses and, and talk to their parents, you know, and come back. Now, that's September 1st, right? No, no, it's going to be October 10th. Ah, oh, I got the wrong date, you know. And, and so, anyways, well, are you prayer walking down this way? Can, can you come down this sidewalk? And so we, we ended up walking right in front of their house, and we stopped in front of their house. And um, after a little while, the dad came out and sat on the front porch, and we're telling the dad about what we were telling their sons and their boys and um, apparently he went to this church when he was a little guy. And he went to Sunday school, and he said his mom forced him to go to church. And, uh, well, we said, well, that's a good thing. And uh, so we just asked him if there was anything that we could pray for him for. And he said that his dad, Michael, was going to be having heart surgery. And so it opened up an opportunity for us to touch the dad, pray for the dad, and just the fact that he was open enough to say, hey, yeah, you could pray for my father. And the kids were really excited, so we invited them to church. We've invited them to fellowship with us on October 10th at the family reunion. Yeah, and as we're walking away, one of the little fellows says, Hey, those people need to hear about it. I'm going to watch you, and you better tell those people. And so we, we walked to another house and told another family that, you know, we're going to have this, and we just invited them to church. But it gave us an awesome opportunity to share the love of Christ. It wasn't what our original mission was, but it was where God moved, I guess. And, and so just like those disciples that were up there to um, be a part of Jesus being in prayer, they, they, you know, wanted to just stay there. They thought, okay, this is the mission. We're just going to stay here. And let's build these booths, and let's just do this because we think this is the mission. But actually, that's when God the Father came in the cloud and said, this is my son, listen to him. And Jesus, as we're going to see next week, is going to start to lead them off the mountain because we don't stay on the mountain. We go to the mountain to be filled and refreshed so that we can go on the mission. And these guys could have stayed in that place of um, just wanting to prayer walk because they thought that was the mission. That would be like building a booth. If those little kids came up to talk, eh, we're too busy, we're praying. You know, no, that wasn't what Jesus was doing. And praise the Lord that by his Holy Spirit that he prompted these guys 
to reach out and talk to the kids, start to build a relationship and share. And I'm believing and trusting that as you hear this story, that Jesus is going to do something in each of our lives. Um, Andrew is here. Tell us what's happening on October 10th, and I think I gave the microphone away. Hi, so I'm Andrew. Um, Yeah, so we've been in this four-week training. As Dane said, we're in our last week uh, this coming Thursday, uh, prayer walking evangelism. And kind of to end that, we're doing a block party uh, on September 10th. October 10th. October 10th. Thank you, sorry. Man, I'm just as confused as the kids. Um, on, on October 10th, we're doing a block party right here in the parking lot. And it's, I'm really excited because we've been training up. We've, we did Embers to Flames, the 12-week prayer training this summer, and then we went into this four-week prayer training, which many of you have been a part of. And, and so this is an opportunity for, for anybody, if you, whether you've been a part of the training or not, to, to meet our neighbors as we welcome in all the new college students who've moved into the neighborhood over the past couple of weeks, and, and also just invite our neighbors who, who live here long term. Get to develop relationships with them and um, just ask God for opportunities to pray, to share the gospel with our neighbors. Um, also, I know there's some that are really excited about face painting, and, um, and Michelle's really excited. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and so if, if you're excited, I hope you're excited. Uh, get excited if you're not. Um, but there's lots of opportunity to get involved. Um, they're going to be grilling out, and so we need people to help grill. Uh, we need people to help set up with um, sound so that there can just be some music playing in the background. We have lawn games that we want to bring out and just in, invite uh, family and, and uh, kids in, into playing. Uh, lots of opportunity. Um, so if, if you can connect with me, I'll be in the back after the service with a sign-up sheet and um, just love to get as many people involved as possible so we can start planning this thing. So it's not just me planning, but it's all of you planning. So thank you very much. And so the Lord gives assignments of all different shapes and sizes. And I believe this is an assignment. And I ask that you would pray and ask the Lord, is this my assignment to help put on a fantastic party? Because this neighborhood likes a fantastic party. I saw at the wedding of Kate and Ryan yesterday. We love a celebration. And so this neighborhood would love to have a celebration. Would you hear God's voice to do your part, to lay down that Saturday for a few hours from 12 to 2, maybe a little bit before to set up or clean up, but could you use your gifts? Would you be willing to do that so that the love of God can touch our neighborhood? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for this the preaching of your word, Lord, let it fall in our hearts like a sharp knife. Lord, would you cut off that that's um, of our flesh and things that want to um, resist you. And Lord, would you make us soft like clay, that we would be moldable, that we would be willing to go wherever you're calling us to go, to do whatever you're calling us to do out of gratitude. And to see your glory spread throughout the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, would you, would you rise to receive these words of both um, charge, encouragement, and blessing before we sing our closing song, My Friends, May You Grow in Grace. These are Paul's words. They come from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says, Do not lose heart, though outwardly, We are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light 
and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this blessing, that as you fix your eyes on what is unseen and what is eternal, that the presence of the Lord, who is unseen and eternal, and is with you and in you, will be made known to you each moment and each day.